0: right well as you're seated turn to someone nearby you and say he is alive yeah. that's right he is alive he is alive and you and can always give a woo in the middle of that woo just works almost any time in that situation i love that we don't have to save songs like that for easter and that message for easter is true every second of every day year round year after year so that's beautiful Well, we've been looking at Jesus' I am statements in the Bible during this series. It's uh, a series of of words, statements Jesus has made about himself. It's Jesus saying, this is who I am and who I can be and will be for you if you'll let me. So today we'll be looking at Jesus' I am statement that's found in John 11. And Pastor Ron read it a few moments ago, uh, earlier in the service. It's in the middle of the amazing story of Jesus raising a man named Lazarus. I don't know if you've named your kids that or anything, but Lazarus was his name, raising him from the dead. And we're going to go ahead and say that right up front rather than reveal it as the story goes through. Of course, as we walk through the story, realize that the people didn't know he was going to do that. You get that little uh, foreshadowing through this. Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So uh, today we're going to work through John 11 and a whole bunch of verses, a little bit of a heads up on this. There are some verses in your outline, but we couldn't fit them all in there unless it was like size four font and then you couldn't read it anyway. So all of the verses will be on the screen. Some will be on your outline. And if you brought your Bible, awesome, because they're all there. And uh, so we want to remind you that we have Bibles out in the lobby. We call them our lobby Bibles. They're available for loan, but really, if you don't have a Bible, we'd invite you to take one, come use it in the service, and then go ahead and take it home. But again, we just encourage you to bring your Bible on Sundays, too, if you, if you have one and want to here. You'll be able to follow along as we read through this today. So just so that you're aware. We're going to take a look at the resurrection and the life and what that, means, what that means to me. And we'll be looking at five specific things that we see in John 11. Uh, inside the story and then an application tied to each one of those five things so five truths and five so what's that that will make sense to us so let's get started first we'll see and then we'll look at the story we'll see that Jesus has a much bigger view of life than I do he has a much bigger view than I do and so the application point is so trust him Jesus has a much bigger view of life than I do, so trust him. Now, we all have a unique view of life, and, um, and even if you feel like you're very wise with lots of experience and a wide focus, you still only see a tiny slice of the picture, don't you, of life. Now, of course, God, on the other hand, sees it all because, well, he's God. It's kind of like that unique quarterback or that point guard who can see the whole field or the whole court, you know. They can make that pass that that no one else can even see. Like, how did he do that? But the fact that they have that sort of vision, they're great because the more you see the big picture, the better you can act. And, of course, that's God. God. I want to take, we're going to start here in John 11, look at the first 16 verses to see some of Jesus' bigger view uh, through this passage. And I'm going to be stopping as we read through the passage here and there to kind of insert points rather than, rather than read the whole thing and kind of go back. So just as a heads up, as we go through, uh, we'll be ready for that. So starting John 11, right at verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, it says, and this is Lazarus of Bethany. Bethany is a small town just several miles outside of Jerusalem. Uh, The village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Okay, so set the table. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, three siblings. Okay, two sisters and a brother in this family. Here we go. So the sisters sent to him, sent messengers to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love, referring to Lazarus, is ill. Uh, But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, pause for a second. Right now, it sounds like Jesus has been told by the Holy Spirit that Lazarus is indeed sick, but don't worry, he won't die. Okay, that's the bigger picture that, that, that he has now. Oh, good. Jesus has that bigger view. Everybody relax. Well, let's keep reading because we, we know otherwise. So let's see if we can make some sense of this. Now, it says Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So there was a deep love. There was relationship there. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What? What? He he loved Lazarus. He heard Lazarus was sick. In fact, so sick that the sisters are saying, go get Jesus. Go get the miracle worker because we need him. And, and he stays away for two more days. What kind of love is that? What kind of love is that? Okay, let's go on. Then after that, this, he says to his disciples, oh, let's go to ch- let us go to Judea again. The disciple said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you as in kill you. Are you going there again? They're like, are you crazy, Jesus? They want to kill you there. Did you forget? So much for the bigger view. (laughs) Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in them. And I could picture the disciples going, what? <laughs> totally. Basically, what Jesus is saying here is simply this. Walk when and where God calls you and the light he sheds for you. And, and, and you will do the, do the right thing and you don't need to question it. So that's Jesus saying, this is what I need to do. It's what God is calling me to do. So after saying these things, Jesus said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. Well, the disciples said to him, well, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover, right? Because rest is known to be a part of someone getting over an illness. And they figure, why go and risk death, go back to this dangerous place where they've been threatening you if, if he's, if he's going to get better? It'll be a piece of cake. It's just not bothered. Now, Jesus, back to the scripture, now, Jesus had spoken of his, of Lazarus's death, but they thought, the disciples thought that Jesus meant that Lazarus was taking rest in sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, (laughs) you aren't getting it. He says, Lazarus has died. Okay, that's what I mean. Lazarus has died. And oh, bigger picture. See, the Holy Spirit told Jesus that Lazarus died and Jesus only called it sleep. Now now we hear the disciples think and say, why do we need to go now if he's already dead? If Lazarus is dead, it's done deal. No chance to heal a man who already died. And Jesus goes on and says, and for your sake, remember he said he's dead, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And I can just picture the disciples kind of going, wait, he's getting better, he's asleep. No, wait, he's dead, but you're glad that he's dead? So that, what? And now you're going to go back to the place where they're going to kill you? What? You know, they're really struggling with this. And I love this. Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, I love Thomas. He's so honest, but he's also the Eeyore of the 12 disciples. Let us also go that we may die with him. Right? We might as well go die with him. And off they go, dragging his tail behind him. Now, we'll see more of Jesus' bigger view in the verses to come, because it's really laced nice throughout this whole passage. But, but I want to stop and see some of the bigger view issues here, kind of review. Jesus knew exactly what was happening with, with Lazarus. Lazarus was sick when the messengers first came to Jesus, and he knew that Lazarus was going to die really at any moment. In fact, he may have died by the time they were telling him. We'll see that in the timing of things, because it was about a, a two-day journey here. And so, and so uh, when they gave the news that Lazarus was sick. Now, Jesus also knew that he was going to do something surrounding Lazarus' death, raise him, right, that would reveal who Jesus was in greater detail. So, so Jesus delayed in coming because of that, because he had that bigger picture view. He delayed to glorify God and to benefit his followers, including the sisters, really to bolster their faith. And you could say, well, how would it benefit them? Because it was not what they wanted or expected. They wanted him to come now and save him, Right? And and we see in a moment that both Mary and Martha will both say when he comes as sisters, if you've been here, you could have healed him. And I stop and think about myself, and we can do that for us, and say this, this could be the same question that we sometimes have. If you, God, are good, if you, God, are truly good, why couldn't you have been here to prevent this tragedy, whatever this tragedy is in your life and around you? God, if you're good, why don't... Why don't you act to prevent bad things from happening? Do you ever wrestle with those questions? Uh, you know, if, maybe you don't, but most of us do. We, we see things happen, and it's, it's oh, well, God, if you, how does this all work? Remember, we have this very narrow view of things, and God has this very expansive view. See, God doesn't always work when and how we want. He sees that big picture, and he has our overall interest in mind, and we don't always understand it. We, we just can't because we're not God. In Isaiah 55, 8, it says, God speaking, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. God just plainly saying, "You, you You can't understand. Where that leaves us then is a place of trust. If I realize that I only see a tiny, tiny slice, and God sees the whole thing, and He says, I I know more, and I have your best interests at heart. It's going to leave me in a place of saying, I know I can't see the whole thing, so I'm going to just choose to trust him. It doesn't always feel trusting, but I'm going to choose to trust him because he sees all, he knows it all, so I can trust him. He's on top of things. He's in control. Well, secondly, from this passage we look at the resurrection and life and what it means to me is that <clears throat> Jesus responds to our individual needs because he loves us. He responds to our individual needs because he loves us. And the call then is to experience peace. Now, the highlight here is on individual needs because I got to be honest, your needs and your wiring and your position is different than mine, isn't it? And it's different than the person sitting next to you, even if you're married to that person. And so Jesus doesn't just have a one-size-fits-all sort of response. He knows you. He loves you. And he wants to minister right to where you're at and what your needs are. It's not always when and what we want and expect, right? But it's tailored for us in our specific wiring and our needs, So let's get back to our story to see Jesus at work. So we're picking it up from there now. So he said, let's go, and Thomas, well, let's go and die with him. And off they go down the road. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Four days. Now, remember those two days that Jesus intentionally delayed? Okay? That plus two days of travel, and we have Jesus dead for four days. Here's the big deal about this. There is no doubt that Lazarus is dead. This is not a little swoon. This is a day and a day and get him in the tomb quick because there's not the embalming we have today, right? And then a day and a day. It's four days since it's happened. And and Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles off and many of the Jews had come to... I'm sorry, we're back to scripture as my side. So let me get back to... I just want to clarify when we go through that we're reading scripture and then the commentary. So here we go back to the verses. Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles off and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. That's a big deal in that culture. We sometimes give people space to mourn. They would just flood them, figured presence was a good thing. They would just all over the place. We're crying with you. We're just here with you. And in that seven days of mourning, you wouldn't, even for the first half of that, there would be no washing. There would be no work. There would be just nothing. It would just be sit and weep and just whatever it takes, right? So that's going on, and and they're there consoling them. And it says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. Mary remained seated in the house. She was just there in her morning. Now, I want to pause for a moment and talk about Martha because the point here is about the love of Jesus and how it's unique and individual to meet with each one of us in our needs. Okay, so Martha is very practical and she's very much. We see in, in several pieces of scripture, including this one, that she's into her head. Okay, there's a lot of practicality, and so she comes to Jesus. She's sad, certainly, but with intellectual questions. And Jesus connects with her at the head level, specifically here. So, Martha, back to scripture, it says, Martha said to Jesus as she comes out, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now, the same words Mary's going to use in a minute, but her emphasis here for Martha is on my, Lord, uh, if, if you, excuse me, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's very, seems to be kind of wrapped up into her own, her own focus here. She says, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Mary said to him, oh, I know that. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day like someday, eons and eons and centuries from now, whenever that happens. And Jesus said to her, and here's the words, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she says to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now, we'll pause from Scripture. Jesus issues this amazing I am statement to Mary to try to keep, to help her with lack of faith and understanding of the person and the power of Jesus. Jesus claims power over death, life over death, the defeat of death, and and we see Mary claiming that she believes that. This, This encounter is what Mary needs. It's a step of what she needs from Jesus, the challenge of belief and the challenge of faith. And he meets her there. He's talking with her and wrestling through understanding. Well, the truth Jesus sees is this. Mary is, excuse me, Martha, she's stuck. See, Jesus comes up and she, she reveals this kind of a tangled past. If only you had been here in the past, then things would have been different. And she's stuck there. And then we see that she's got this hope in a very distant future. Oh, I know he'll be raised sometime way, 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 way in the future at the end times. And then he says, well, do you believe? And she says, well, sure, I believe. And she gives a standard Sunday school answer. Jesus, right? If you don't know what to say in Sunday school, raise your hand and say, Jesus, do you believe? Oh, sure, I believe. We'll see in a few minutes that she doesn't. But she gives, we'd, we'd almost call it a platitude, a good-sounding statement that, that is maybe churchy and sounds like the right thing, whether or not you believe it. A tangled past stuck in the past, a hope for a very, 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 very distant future that is really no hope in a sense, and just kind of saying the right thing in the present. And Jesus sees all this and says, I want to bring this hope into your present, into your present. Say we leave the past behind, bring your hope into the present, and life begins here. Now, let's continue with the story. That's his ministry with, with Martha. Now, let's look at Mary. When she, speaking of Martha, had, uh, had said this, she Martha went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. So when she, this is Mary, heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Let's take a quick look at Mary like we did with Martha um, as as she enters the story. Where Sister Martha is about practical knowledge and and head processing, Mary is just the opposite. Mary is the opposite. She's she's all heart. She's a pure feeler. And and we're going to see a very different approach to Jesus and then a very different response from Jesus. Again, he understands her. He knows her just like he knows you. And he's going to meet right where it's important to happen. Now, it's, uh, okay, so she's coming out with him. And it says, now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. So Martha meets him. She goes back, gets Mary, and she's now coming back out. Now, when the Jews who were with her, with Mary in the house, uh, consoling her, saw Mary uh, rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, it's interesting. Mary leaves. Nobody, it doesn't say anybody follows her because that's, Mary's going to do her thing. uh, Excuse me, Martha. (laughs) You guys are doing great. A little off this morning. (laughs) Remember, we just talked about it. Martha goes out to see Jesus and talks through this. What do I believe? And no, 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 no. And it doesn't say anybody goes with her. Mary said, in the meantime, Mary is here just sobbing her heart and her emotions. And that's where everybody's gathered around ministering to her emotions. So she gets up to go see Jesus. And everybody goes too, thinking she's going to go to the tomb to weep. Let's go there and console her there. Instead, she goes to see Jesus. But the crowd of mourners go with her. Um, They follow her, supposing she's going to the tomb. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. She's overcome, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Her emphasis was on brother, not my brother, but my brother, my brother. She's missing her brother. My brother would not have died. Now, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping in this huge amount of emotion and sorrow, it says he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. There's stuff going on internally. And Jesus says, well, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then these profound two words in a verse that says Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. See how Jesus loved Lazarus. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Okay, let's stop again in the scripture passage. Mary is all heart. She's full of emotion. And Jesus connects with her sadness in a deep way. He, he weeps with her over the situation where with Mary he encountered and dealt with her with the questions she had and processed here. Mary's just on her feet sobbing. And Jesus is overcome and ministers simply by weeping with those who weep because he knows her and loves her knows exactly exactly what she needs it's amazing to me that he weeps with her even though even though he knows that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead in a few moments you know rather than oh get up things are going to be fine he enters into the moment and feels at the heart level jesus wept what a powerful two word sentence you know, we really see his love and humanity on full display. He, he weeps over Mary's sorrow, but he also weeps over evil because the reality is death is an evil thing. It really is. And I want to pause for a moment here and, uh, to talk about current life, contemporary life. You see, Jesus deeply sympathized with Mary, but he also sympathizes with us as individuals and also as a, as a group, as a church, as a community, as a, as a country. Jesus has compassion. He hurts when we hurt. He weeps over evil. And uh, a few days ago, we had this horrific shooting in Las Vegas that that we want to continue to pray about and pray for people for. Um, That was truly evil. Isn't it interesting how people talk about evil at times like this that, for the most part, want to say that there is no right and wrong, just kind of choose for yourself? But when it happens like this, we can call it evil. And Jesus' response is weeping, even as we weep. Not just 2,000 years ago with Mary and Martha's brother, but today in dealing with a situation like Las Vegas. He shares in a heartache. He's angry over evil. He's indignant, too, even as these verses seem to imply. But, but listen, since Jesus is the resurrection and the life, he provides hope to overcome all of that. It's life over death, life through death. I just wanted to insert that there that there is a there is an, a not just a sympathy from a distance but an empathy and a relation, and then a, an offer of hope and help in the process. Well, third from this passage as we look at the resurrection of life, we've learned that we can trust, we can experience peace, and third, Jesus wants and gives us a faith that responds. so our application is so believe and move. <coughs> Now, what I mean by that is that I I first was going to say, well, Jesus wants a faith that responds. And then I thought, the reality is he wants it, but he gives it to us. This is not a case of this is what I want. Now, get out and work for it. Just try harder. (laughs) Because we understand that grace is that God gives us every single thing that we need. So Jesus, even just in in this phrase, Jesus wants a faith that responds. He gives us a faith that can respond that can respond and that's there we don't have to try to work for it or earn it receive it and use it believe and move is the call now let's continue with the story then because okay so jesus he he stays away he comes he's four days late as they see it he's right on time by the way jesus is always on time He encounters Martha and some of her past, present, future issues and head and ministers there and says, I have more work to do. Mary comes in. She's sobbing. He meets with her at the heart level. He weeps. And then he says, where have you laid the body? Remember, we talked about that. Then Jesus, back to the scripture, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. Now, it was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And there it is, folks, Jesus asking for an act of faith. You see, J- Jesus is just about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Is it any big deal for him to move the stone? <laughs> I mean, that would have been like, done, next, let's get to the good stuff. But instead, he comes there and he says, you, take away the stone. Move that stone. Asking for an act of faith. And, and it's, it's doable. It's, it's a bit of a test. And how do they do? Well, let's see. Jesus says, take away the stone. And Martha, remember Martha, who just said, I believe, says, sure. No. Martha, the sister of the dead man, says, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. And I love the King James translation here. It says, he stinketh. (laughs) Isn't that good? Sometimes you just got to pull out the old one there. He stinketh. Martha, remember you just said that you believe in me? This is my commentary here. Do do you believe or don't you? You, you, you. Jesus says, back to Scripture, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Hello? (laughs) So they took away the stone. Move the stone, Jesus says. Put your faith into action, Jesus says to them, and he says that to you today. If you, if a, faith, a, a faith that doesn't do anything isn't faith at all. A faith that doesn't act isn't faith. A, a faith uh, I want to ask you then today, where might Jesus be asking you to move with your faith? Is there a stone that he's asking you to move that you're saying, I don't want to move that. Not a good idea, Jesus. He's saying, put your faith into action and believe. It might not be easy. It may involve facing some of your own doubts and fears. Jesus, are you sure? It might stinketh. (laughs) Jesus says, I am sure. I am sure. Move the stone. Is there a stone in your life that Jesus is asking you to move that you've been hesitant to? And the call today might be for that for you. Well, fourth then. A point to make in an application is Jesus has power over life and death, so receive life. Jesus has power over life and death, so receive life. So Jesus has just said, take away the stone, and we pick it up here in verse 41, and it says, so they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people uh, standing around, (laughs) that they may believe that you sent me. I love that. He says, I'm saying this really for them, (laughs) but, you know, we're talking. And when Jesus said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And Scripture says that the man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Jesus says to Lazarus, Come out. It could also be translated, um, it's interesting, this way out. It's almost like in this dark maze, he, he's giving directions. Like, here's how to do it. And if you think about it, he's all wrapped up. Maybe that was even helpful and needed. The stone's rolled away. He's raised from the dead. There's light. But like in like Jesus, this way, come over here, you know, the, it, motioning, but he can't see because he's all bound up. This way out. Jesus has the power over life and death. And it has been said that if Jesus didn't say the name of Lazarus before he called him out, that, that every dead person in the area would have come out of their grave, right? If he just said, come out, you know, bodies are getting up everywhere. So that's the Lazarus, excuse me, just talking to you. Lazarus, come forth, come out. Such is the power of Jesus. And, and that same Jesus offers resurrection and life to each one of us. And it's so true. Eternal life, yes, and that's so important, but new and resurrected life here on earth. Jesus calls you not only to move a stone, but to come forth this way out of the mess you're in. And I want you to hear from God this morning uh, if you open up your heart. Jesus says, come out of the worry and anxiety that eats away at your soul, never allowing you to find total peace and rest. Jesus says, this way out of fear and insecurity that paralyzes you so that you don't experience the fullness of life that Jesus intends for you. Come out, says Jesus, of your enslavement to peer pressure, to being so concerned about what other people think about you that you can barely focus on what God thinks. You're wrapped up in being a people pleaser instead of being a God pleaser. Jesus says, This way out of your addiction that enslaves you, that keeps you in chains. Come forth from that bondage and live. Live with freedom. This way out, says Jesus. Through your slavery to sin. This way towards new life and eternal life in Jesus Christ. Come out. Come forth. And that call goes to you today. Jesus said, I am the resurrection for you. I'm the resurrection for you. I've been raised for you. You see, when a follower of Jesus has a changed life, people may ask, well, what happened to you? And the answer is simply the resurrection. The resurrection. Jesus is the the resurrection. It's a reality in Christ, but it's a reality in me too. The two big questions that can be asked, is there life after death? And is there life before death? And resurrected life before death? And the answer is yes to both. And Jesus offers both. Well, we've read through all the verses that we're going to cover today that started from Jesus being a two-day travel away, encountering, waiting two days, coming, meeting Martha, encountering, meeting Mary, weeping, raising, asking for a response of faith. Hey, move the stone. I want an active faith raising Lazarus from the dead and offering all of that to the people there and and to each one of us. But there's one more thing as we wrap up today that I want to cover, and that's this, that Jesus is tender towards doubt and lack of faith, so be honest with him. And there's your application. Jesus is tender towards doubt and lack of faith, so you can be honest with him. And this is so good for us to hear, we see through these verses, and really many other places in the Bible, I mean, all over the place, where people struggle. People struggle with doubts. People struggle with, with faith. And here we see the disciples doubt Jesus going to the Jerusalem area. Are you kidding me? Uh, Martha and others doubting Jesus' ability to do what he says he will do. Do you ever doubt Jesus' ability or to do what he says he will do, or the fact that? that he will do it. But fortunately for us, Jesus doesn't drop the hammer on them. <laughs> you know, he doesn't just bail out. You could almost picture him saying, when it's time to move the stone, he says, move the stone, and is like, mm, yeah, I don't think so. It's going to smell really bad. And Jesus doesn't go, oh, you know what? Forget it. I'm out of here. Lazarus can just stay dead and buried. I give up on you. Tough. And leave. Maybe that's what they deserve after so much lack of faith. But he didn't do that, does he? He continues to work with them. He continues to work with us. You see, instead, we see a gentle leading and teaching by Jesus, an understanding and a patience that gives us time to grow, allows us time to change, and encourages us to be honest with him about our doubts. See, here's the deal, especially if you come to church at Fairmount. Sometimes we get caught into this, I have to be strong because people know I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. And you know what? Sometimes we're just not strong. It's true. And and you don't need to pretend that you believe all the time and that you're strong all the time when you're not. That's what Martha, in a sense, did. Sure, Jesus, I believe until you actually ask me to roll that stone away. Then I'm not so sure, and I'm going to question. You can honestly admit your doubts and, and hesitations to Jesus, And he will be tender with you. He will be loving. He will be forgiving while still leading you to experience the resurrection and the life that he offers. What a great place to be to be able to be honest with the one who loves me that meets my needs, calls me for an act of faith, but offers me resurrection and life today while leading me along as a person of doubt and sometimes weak faith. And he'll do that gently. Well, Let me pray with you today. And as you close your eyes and and maybe bow your head, if that's what you do as you pray, I just ask you this. Where do you need to experience the resurrection and the life today? We saw that Jesus asks for an active faith to move the stone. And I said then, I'll say it again now, is there a stone that Jesus is asking you to move that you've been avoiding, that he's saying, now's the time, even with your doubts and lack of faith. Is there an issue in your life that's plagued you, that that you hold on to, that Jesus is saying, come out of there, come out of that mess, this way out. I offer you the way out because I am the resurrection and the life. And, Father, we bring all this mess before you. It's our lives. (laughs) We are messy people. We sometimes try to dress up and take a shower and do up our hair and appear differently, God, but it is a mess that we, we deliver to you. I almost want to say I'm sorry for the condition I'm in, but thank you for for loving us in spite of that. God, we make decisions today as you prompt us. Receive our hearts, receive our, our lives. Father, I pray that if there's anybody here today that has never given their life to Jesus completely, that they can do that now. They put their faith, their trust, their belief in you, the Jesus of the Bible that we've talked about. And you do that simply by confessing your sins, Saying you've blown it, (laughs) you've offended God, and, and you receive his forgiveness in Jesus. You just ask for that. And then you ask Jesus to lead your life, to be the resurrection and the life in you. Make me new. Renew me daily. Thank you, Lord, for being the resurrection and the life in me. In Jesus' name, amen.